0: Please turn or click with me to 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and now in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. And of this Gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phaedulus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name's Scott. Um, let's pray as we, uh, as we look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you speak to us clearly in your word. Father, we praise you that, that your words are life and light to us. So, Father, as we look at this, uh, this letter uh, this morning, please fill our hearts with our love for the Lord Jesus and all that he has done for us. That we might long to be those who who live for Him uh, more and more. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, just over, just under fifty days until um, the Tokyo Olympics begin. Maybe, um, who knows? Uh, fifty days. Um, who doesn't love the Olympics? Who doesn't love a good relay race? Um, back in the day, Team GB. in the athletics, had a terrible reputation for relay races. They always had quite fast runners, but they could never get um, the baton round. They always dropped it or ran outside the box or however else you get disqualified um, in a relay race. Um, You can have the fastest runners in the world, but if you don't pass the baton on, um, well, you lose. What's that got to do with anything uh, we're looking at this morning? The Christian life in the Bible is, is several times described as a race. And that may be familiar uh, to us. We often picture it as a, as a marathon, not a sprint. We talk about it in those terms. You know, it's, about, it's about putting one foot in front of the other, taking the next step, plodding on, keeping going. And that's right. But here, um, in, in, particularly in this letter to Timothy, the Christian life is described more like a relay. It's all about passing the baton on. So uh, Timothy has received the baton from Paul... And Paul is instructing Timothy to pass it on to others. So there we go. We've got a prop. Who doesn't like a prop? The gospel baton. It's a baton. No expense was spared in the production of this prop late last night. Um, Paul is passing on the gospel baton to Timothy in order that Timothy would pass it on to those who come after him. All the way down and down and down until it reaches us. We've received, if we're Christian believers, we've received the gospel baton. And we are to pass it on to those who come after us. That's basically what, um, what 2 Timothy is, is all about. Passing on the gospel baton. So, um, the, as we come to this letter, it is Paul handing the baton on to Timothy. Look down at verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. This is Paul's last letter, the last recorded letter we have. He's locked up in a Roman prison. He's in chains, and we see later in the letter he's cold. Um, he's alone and he'll soon be put on trial by the Roman authorities and sentenced to death his his labors over many years as an apostle are almost over In um, chapter 4 verse 7 he'll say for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near he knows he doesn't have long left And so Paul the Apostle, as one of the key figures of the early church, is about to be no more. And so it is a dangerous moment in the life of of the young church. But Paul in this letter is confident that the good news about Jesus is much bigger than just one man. Much, much bigger. And so he wants to ensure that he's passing the gospel on to those who can pass it on further. And so he writes to, his, to this, um, this young man, his young friend, Timothy. It's almost like um, his last will and testament uh, before he dies. And yet what he's passing on is, is not his treasured possessions, not his physical possessions, but, but something of much more value, the gospel itself. And he passes it on to Timothy. Um, Timothy and Paul, they've, they've had a close relationship. Timothy probably came to faith through, um, through the preaching of Paul, and they've been close ever since. Um, Timothy went with him on, on many of his missionary journeys. And he's been a fellow uh, Gospel Worker. And Timothy is, is about to step up to more responsibility. He's already the church leader in, in Ephesus. But with Paul about to step off the scene, Timothy is, is essentially going to be the, the de facto leader of the early church. But it's important to realize that Timothy is, is not a superhero. And um, it's easy to think of that of, of sort of Bible characters, isn't it? That they're the sort of superheroes, and you will get several indications in the in the beginning of the letter that actually he's not a superhero. He's just quite an ordinary guy. Um, chapter two, verse two, um, he, he's young, he's not experienced. He is still young in the faith, young as a leader. And back in one Timothy, um, Paul had to give him some health advice. He's not in the best of health. Um, he's a bit frail on occasions. And he's not, he's not necessarily the one you would choose as the natural next leader of the church. Again and again in this letter, at least six times, Paul has to urge him to be courageous, not to be timid. And so I think as we come to this letter, it's helpful to remember that, recognize that, because we can relate to Timothy. I think most of us feel much more like a Timothy than a, than a Paul. And we just feel ordinary And we often feel that we're we're not up to the task. I don't know how you'd complete the sentence. You know, at church, I I could never do X. I could never lead a Bible study. Or I could never read the Bible one-to-one with a younger Christian. I think if if you find yourself ever thinking that, 2 2 Timothy will challenge you that you can do it. You can do it. You can pass the gospel on to others. But maybe some, for some of us, we are doing those things already um, uh, in the life of the church. We are doing that already. But maybe it just feels like you're not making any difference. You're just tempted to pack it all in and, and, and have a break. Leave it to, to the experts, whoever they are. Two Timothy, we'll, we'll say to us, you know, keep going keep looking to hand the gospel on because there is nothing more important that we could be doing. All of us, in whatever situation we find ourselves, are called to pass the gospel on. And whether that's in in formal roles, uh, formal teaching roles at church, whether that's as a parent to children, whether it's informally among one another in our discipleship groups or small groups, whether it's one-to-one, whether it's just in the chats that we have uh, after church, all of us are called to pass the gospel on. And so 2 Timothy is written, uh, although it's written to a church leader, it is written to all of us that we might have courage and confidence to do that. Okay, that's all by way of sort of introduction. Let's hone in on, um, on chapter one. How do we pass that gospel baton on? How do we pass it on? Three points they'll be up on the screen at various points if, if that's helpful to you. How do we pass the gospel on? Well, we do all you, you do all you can in the Spirit's power. That's number one. Secondly, don't be ashamed of the life-giving gospel. And thirdly, stand with those who guard the gospel. Do all you can in the Spirit's power. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And stand with those who guard the gospel. Firstly, then, do all you can in the Spirit's power. This is verses 6 and 7. Verse 6: For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-control. Paul tells Timothy, Do all you can, fan into flame the gift of God. If you're going to um, pass the gospel on, you have to put some effort in. If you're going to be part of um, the Olympic relay team, you've got to do a bit of training. That was the main problem with Team GB—they just rocked up and expected to fling the baton around and, and never did it. You've got to put some work in now, uh, so that you're ready. Passing the gospel baton on—it it does require some discipline and some some training. You need to work hard if the handover is going to work. For Timothy, that means he's got to work hard in, in his role as a church leader. But it applies more broadly, it applies to all of us. We are to make the most of what God has given us in order to pass the gospel on. Now, that won't, that won't look the same for all of us. We're at different stages of life, at different capacities, at different roles. That's okay, but each of us are called to, to do all that we can to pass it on, pass the gospel on. But it's not just that, is it? Verse 7, it's not all about our effort. We do that in the Spirit's power. Because as well as your gifts, you have been given, if you're a Christian believer, God's Spirit. And that Spirit, verse 7, does not make us timid. I don't know what, um, what you make of that when you read that. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Um, I slightly feel like it's every introvert's least favorite verse, um, it, just, it just makes people feel awkward. What if I feel timid? What if I am naturally timid? Well, I think we've got to realize this is not only talking about always being up the front. And um, this, this verse is not scolding introverts. It's not actually about personality types at all. It is about the spirit that God has given us, his spirit who is at work in us. So the opposite of being timid is not being brash and loud and extroverted. No, the opposite of being timid here is being, is being given the spirit, the power, love, and self-discipline that the spirit gives. So firstly, the, the spirit gives power. That is not power to do flash things, things that are very impressive, but power to keep going. Power to keep going even in the midst of suffering. That's what Paul's talking about when he's talking about the power of the spirit. That is the spirit's power to keep Going, Spirit gives love. That is a love for those you are seeking to pass the gospel on to. A love that will keep you going, even when it is hard. Whether it's um, using your weekend to write yet another Sunday school lesson for Sunday morning, whether it's it's going after caring for the person who who just doesn't reply in your small group who never replies to your messages, continuing to to look out for them because you love them. The Spirit gives us love in order that we might pass the baton on. And the Spirit gives self-discipline because passing passing the gospel on will not be easy. And there will always be times when we want to cut corners or just give up altogether. But the Spirit enables us to keep going, gives us That self-discipline so if you feel like you haven't got what it takes uh, to pass on the gospel or remember what God's spirit lives in you don't look to your own resources but look to his spirit you can pass on the gospel and you don't need to be an expert you don't need to be super confident or have all the answers Uh, you can in whatever way, quiet, quietly and, and determinedly pass the gospel on. I think we've seen um, a wonderful example of how this works out in practice in the last 18 months. I think if you ask most people how they've kept going um, in, uh, in the midst of lockdown when we weren't able to meet together or when meeting together was, was harder, I don't think most people would say um, the Sunday sermon is what kept me going. I think the Sunday sermon has been, been very important and been great and been a real encouragement to people. But what's really kept people going is, are, are, has been their, their small groups, has been individuals looking out for one another, checking in with each other, asking, How are you going? That is what has kept people going um, in the midst of lockdown. And so we can pass the gospel on. Uh, whatever our personality type because we've been given God's spirit so we're to do what we can in the spirits power to pass the gospel on secondly don't be ashamed of the life-giving gospel don't be ashamed of the life-giving gospel verse 8 so do not be ashamed of the test me about our Lord or of me his prisoner rather join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God did you read that why would timothy be ashamed of the gospel he's supposed to be the new guy the new leader why does he need to be told not to be ashamed well i guess because the message of the gospel seems foolish there's a message of a of a crucified savior dying for sins and the, the gospel messenger is very unimpressive as well here is paul writing to him in chains Alone in a Roman prison. It's just not very impressive. And it hasn't changed much since. It is similar for us. The message of Jesus can seem very strange uh, to 21st century ears, And the church that proclaims it just looks, well, just a bit pathetic. Not very impressive. On the decline. We can easily feel ashamed... Um, to speak about Jesus, maybe even when we're among other Christians. And for others, it it will bring real suffering uh, to do that. We'll look at this more in the the coming weeks in in chapter 2, Paul's suffering for the gospel. But we do need to be reminded here in chapter 1 that the gospel is nothing to be ashamed of because it is a message that brings life. It is so good. Look at verse 9. Paul writes He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What is so good about the gospel here? Well, a few things. It saves. The gospel saves. The message of the gospel saves from sin and death. It also changes us. It calls us to live a holy life, to live differently in this world. It does what all the self-help books long to do. It Bring the new me. It brings change. I mean, it is something that we have not earned. You don't earn it by ticking all the boxes. I mean, it is all of God's grace to you, his undeserved favor. I mean, you have so little to do with it, so little to do with that grace given to you, that even before time began, God chose you. That is, before the atoms of the universe came together, God chose You Jesus destroys death and brings life and immortality to you. Those are the sort of basics of the gospel, and yet we need to be reminded of them time and time again because we are tempted to be ashamed. But there is nothing more wonderful than the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the message, and don't be ashamed of the one who proclaims it. Verse eleven. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. See, Paul is the proclaimer of the gospel, is convinced that God will keep him, that having entrusted his life, his ministry to the Lord, the Lord will come through. The gospel is the real deal. I don't know if you heard the story of, um, of this painting. I think we've got a picture of it. There we go. Not a very good picture. You won't often see a picture like that in CCM, but there we go. This is, um, this is Salvatore Mundi. Um, for many, many years, people thought it was just, it was just a, a pretty naff copy of an original Leonardo da Vinci painting. Everyone, um, all the experts, almost all the experts, scoffed at the idea that, that it could be anything more. To such an extent that, in just in 2005, some rogue art dealers, some mavericks, were able to buy it for £7,500—bargain, okay? That's that's that is, you know, that's short change in the art world. That's nothing. And the new owners, they, they invested a lot of money in having it restored and um, cleaning it up. And they managed to, I don't know how they do it, but they managed to prove that it actually was the real thing. I and mean, it was a genuine Da Vinci original. Um, sold in November 2017 for a world record 341 million pounds. See, the world, the the experts, they they scoffed and they laughed. And yet it was the real thing. If you're trusting in the gospel, you have been given something of infinite value. Not just a half-decent painting of Jesus, but actual Jesus. You belong to the one who has destroyed death and offers you eternal life. So you see that even if you're even if you're struggling to hold on at the minute, you can be confident that the trust that you place in him is well placed. The gospel message that you have received is the real deal. Don't be ashamed of it. No, pass it on. It gives life Paul's encouraged us to do all we can to pass the gospel on. He said, don't be ashamed of it because it brings life. Thirdly and finally, we're to stand with those who guard the gospel. Stand with those who guard the gospel. Verse uh, verse 13. What you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. See, as Timothy receives the gospel, he's not to come up with anything new. He is to receive what Paul, the apostle, has, has given to him, and he's to pass that on. That, I think, is a wonderful comfort uh, for us when we just feel we can't do it. It is not us and our message. We've not got to reinvent the wheel. We've to receive the gospel and pass it on faithfully. Yes, we want to be imaginative and creative uh, with how we do that, with how we uh, connect that with people's experience now. But the gospel does not change. That's so helpful when we feel very ordinary. But that doesn't mean that how we live doesn't matter, actually. How we live does matter, verse 13. We're to pass the gospel on faithfully with, with faith and love. That is, our lives should match up to the message that we proclaim, and as we show what it means to trust in it ourselves and as we love the people uh, that we seek to pass it on to. So as part of that, part of guarding the gospel, Timothy, as the, uh, as the leader of the early churches, is, is tasked with guarding the good deposit, guarding the gospel. That is not sort of, not hiding it away and keeping it secret and safe, but, but protecting it. From harm, from false teaching. Remember that um, Timothy is, is not a natural uh, fighter. But when you love something enough, you'll stand up for it. I don't know if you saw it in the news this week, um, this extraordinary video from California. Unfortunately, copyright means I can't show you the video, but, uh, but look it up on YouTube. Uh, just, just search Teenager Pushes Bear. Because that's what's going on here. Okay, let me explain. On the left, we're in California, so bears just roam around like squirrels do here. There's um there's a there's a, a big bear um, with her with her uh, with her cubs. And um, what then happens is is some dogs run into the garden barking like little dogs. Big bear, little dogs. The dogs are barking, and you think, uh oh, this isn't going to go well for the dogs. But the bear, you know, the bear is just still on the wall. Then out sprints this like, young girl in the, in the blue dress. And quick as a flash, she doesn't even hesitate. She runs at the bear and just shoves it off the wall. and it is, It's extraordinary. Um, gathers up the dogs. That's what's happening in the middle. She's pushing the bear. She pushes the bear off the wall. The bear's fine, but the dogs are safe. She gathers up the dogs and bundles them uh, back in. All the while her parents are filming this. (laughs) Um, The the interview afterwards with her mother was great. She said, all sorts of things run through your head as your daughter runs at a bear. like (laughs) Yes, like get a stick or something. Anyway, um, why why are we looking at that? Do look it up. Um, Maybe she's just crazy. Afterwards, she does admit, I don't really know what came over me. But you've got you to gotta admit, it takes guts to run at a bear. And she does really love those dogs. She really loves those dogs. She needs to protect them at all costs. Paul is saying, guard the gospel like that. If you know the value of the thing that has been given to you, well, do all you can to protect it from falsehood, from lies. It's not about going out looking for a fight, but each of us in our different ways are to be prepared to stand up um, to false teaching. So would you ever, ever um, be prepared to gently, lovingly um, correct someone in your Bible study group if they said something that was not the gospel? Or a a Christian colleague at work who is just known for always saying that the Christian faith is all about um, accepting people for who they are. That's the essence of it. Or if you, for whatever reason, find yourself in some sort of Church of England meeting, as I occasionally do, will you stand up for the gospel? That's the question I've been asking myself this week. We can feel alone in those moments when uh, when we're called to stand up for the gospel, and yet... And Paul reminds us that we're not alone, verse 14. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We have got the Spirit's help once again to guard the gospel. Now that is a particular responsibility of some people in church um, to do that. That is what elders and church leaders are called to. So I guess in our context, particularly Matt and Phil and the eldership team the wider church staff. And so for many of us, the way in which we will guard the gospel is by being a support and encouragement to those leaders. Teaching the gospel will always be unpopular in the world and increasingly in the church. And so to know that you have people standing with you, uh, who have got your back, is so vital. Paul, Paul knew the experience of, of both those who would stand with him and those who wouldn't, at uh, verses 15 and 16. Verse 15, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phagelus and Hermogenes. That is, he, he'd been abandoned by everyone when he'd been thrown into prison. No one stood with him. And that must have hurt But he also knew the experience of someone who had stood with him. Onesiphorus, verse 16. May the Lord show mercy to the householders of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Paul is saying, I couldn't have kept going without Onesiphorus. What Onesiphorus was doing was probably just very dull, ordinary, looking out for Paul, being there for him. And yet it made all the difference in the world. So as we close, we are, we are called to stand by those who, who guard the gospel for us. And they won't always get everything right all of the time. But we do need people who are prepared to fight the bears. So let me encourage you to encourage them when it's tough, when they get flack for preaching the gospel, for standing up for the gospel. When they stand up against the the direction of travel in the Church of England. Why not thank them, write to them if they're further afield? And they are doing all that they can to guard the gospel so that each and every one of us can pass it on. It's a huge privilege, isn't it, to be entrusted with the gospel. But it's also a responsibility to pass it on faithfully to those who will come after us. We do that in the Spirit's power. Not ashamed of the gospel because it brings life. Guarding the gospel against false teaching. It is a wonderful privilege and a great responsibility. We need God's help. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father, we praise you that the gospel brings life that the message about Jesus and what he has done in dying for us, rising to new life, is the best news in the world. Father, forgive us for when, when we are ashamed of it. Father, give us hearts that, that, that love the gospel more, that love to, to pass it on to others faithfully, that they might pass it on to you. Father, please, by your spirit, work that in us that we might faithfully pass it on. In Jesus' name, amen.